Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. I will let you in on something so that you are prepared for it. Sam asked me tonight if I could preach for 75 minutes, if I would. I said, you trying to get out of something? He said, no. Just... I said, yeah, I can. He's... Then he kind of dropped his head. He said, he's trying to reverse psychology on me to get me to preach short. But that's no problem. I can preach for 75 minutes. Just give me one verse. That's all I need. Amen. Titus chapter 2. So you can blame him if I go over tonight, okay? Blame him anyways. That's, that, I just like to blame Sam. All right? Just do that anyway. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Look back at verse 13, be our text tonight. It says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Our Hope Should Be Gaining, Not Waning. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening asking, Lord, that you would help us or that our hope would be growing. It would be gaining. That it wouldn't be depleting. It wouldn't be waning. It wouldn't be going down. Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight, Lord, encourage and strengthen, Lord. I pray that we'd get our eyes off of the things of this world, get our eyes upon you and that blessed hope. Help us realize what we're facing in our day and time, Lord, that we can face it with hope, a hope that's unchanging. Bless now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Notice there in verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And notice what he says, Teaching us... That denying ungodliness, worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. He's saying, listen, you need to live a life that brings honor and glory to God. And, I, and that's what's needed today. With this stuff of this double standard of saying that you're Christian, walking like the, the lost world and acting like the lost world and doing what the lost world does is a poor testimony for Christ. And when you do that, and when you bring that, you bring a reproach upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you bring a reproach upon the church. And so he says, listen, he said, I want you to live godly. And he said, I want you to, to, uh, to live righteously. And he said, soberly. Uh, otherwise, when he says soberly, being, being serious about the Christian life and the thing that's taking place. And then he goes on, verse 13, he says, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, listen, the Lord's coming back. He said, you better walk a straight line. He said, but in all that's going on and everything has taken place, he said, you need to have a hope that you can hang on to. You see, we're living in a time when it's hard to put hope in very much. It seems like every time when you do, it falls apart. You put hope, you know, that you go to the, the, the ballot box and you vote for a, for presidents or representatives or whatever, and then after a while, boy, it seemed like your hope that you had it in went down the tubes, that they would kind of straighten a few things out. 
You put your money in the stock market hoping to help your retirement or whatever, and before long you see the stock market and it goes down and it seems like your hope for that's gone. It might be that they've promised you a job at the, uh, 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 or a, 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 a better job or a higher paying job or promotion at work and it goes down the tubes. It might be that even you're in school and you're taking an exam and you've studied for it and then when you get that paper back, you've been hoping for a good passing grade and you get it back and there's a big red F on it and it falls apart. Hope affects our whole worldview. It affects our attitude and even our emotions. The presence of hope in all people's lives gives us a life, you might say, more like a roller coaster effect. We're up and we're down. We're up and down. Because sometimes our hopes, boy, we get that, that hope, that answer, maybe, maybe you did get that job, maybe you did pass that grade, and boy, you're jubilant, and boy, you're excited because your hope that you got that, and, and you're up high, and the next thing you know, you're back down again because your hope fell apart. When it does, your feelings are dashed to the ground. To be honest with you, it's part of the normal course of life when you talk about that type of hope in all of us. But our hope is solid when it's in Jesus Christ. And there's not the up and down with Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is because he's the one who promised and he's faithful. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, he says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. He says, listen, you're to hold fast that profession of faith, that hope that you have in, in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you get the hope. And it's not like, well, I hope this is going to work out. No, the hope is, is that it's something that is going to work out because it's going to, not going to change. And so we're to hold fast to that. Your life as a Christian shouldn't be like a yo-yo going up and down like this all the time. A lot of Christians are, are like a bunch of dizzy uh, 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 um, termites that have been eaten into a yo-yo and they're going up and down and they're just buzzing around because they're spinning around all the time and they're, and they're bit, uh, dizzy because of all that's going on. And I see Christians today that seem like their life, they're dizzy because it's up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And the reason that it's up and down is because they haven't realized the faithfulness of the one that is our hope. Boy, I tell you what, there needs to be in the church of the Lord today people who have a hope that the world can see that's not up and down, that's solid, that's steadfast, that's sure, that's faithful. We're to encourage each other there. Look in verse 20, or let me read 24 again there. Hebrews 10 says, let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to good works. Otherwise, he said, listen, I want you to encourage one another in and because of the unchanging hope in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his bride. When you look at that, the Lord's getting ready to come back. You drop down to, to, to the next verse there. In Hebrews 10, verse, verse 25, he says, for, for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, 
Otherwise, keep coming together. Keep serving me. Keep following after me. Provoking one another to love, you might say. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. He said, as it comes to the last days, as you see the day approaching, the day that he's talking about is the return of the Lord to catch the church out. We call it the rapture of the church. He said, as those days begin to get close, he said, you need to be provoking one another to live for the Lord and to serve the Lord and to be steadfast in that hope. And to be strong in that hope. Because the world doesn't want something that's wavering and back and forth and unstable and up and down. They want something that's solid they can stand on. You look around the world today, there's not a whole lot that's solid that you can stand on. In fact, the only thing that's solid that you can stand on is the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, I tell you what, this world needs to see that in your life and in my life. But the fact is, I see so many Christians today that they seem to be wavering. They seem to be going back and forth and they seem to be uh, 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 wondering what's going to happen. And yet the Lord says, I'm going to tell you what. He said, I, I've already, I'm telling you, I'm coming back. This day of his return is, is approaching. He's faithful, as he said there in verse 23. He said, for he is faithful that promised. We need to remember that he's faithful to all his promises. And should encourage us in these last days to live even more with more anticipation, with more excitement, with more desire to serve him as we see him coming. Just for a moment. And this is, this is hypothetical, but it's, it could very possibly happen. If you knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus Christ was coming back, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. What would you be doing? What would you be doing? Can I tell you something? He could come back before we get out of here tonight. And what we would be doing if we knew exactly when he was coming back, we ought to be doing now. Because he is faithful to his promises. And if he's faithful to his promises, you get in that book and you find that he said that he's coming back. And he is the hope that we have in these last days. We should be living our lives with the anticipation, with an excitement. I don't know about you, but I look at things and I know it's part of what I do because I've been called by the Lord to preach and stuff. But I look at stuff and I'll look at some different things that maybe in the Jerusalem times and some different things and comparing and looking at things happening in the world and in the national scene and putting them together and begin to look at this. And a lot of people, you start talking about these things, boy, this is happening, this is happening here and this is going on over there. And I've looked at people and they're going like, and they're just wilting. Oh. And I'm like, no. This is exciting. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we're looking for. We're looking for the return of Christ. Amen. 
I mean, it's, it's that exciting time. How many brides do you ever find that, you know, uh, it, the, they're, they're, she, she comes in, and I've seen this over and over and over as I've done the, the weddings and stuff. Uh, they'll, we'll set up the wedding. It's going to be at 5 o'clock. They're there at 12 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. They're in the room down there. They're eating their McDonald's. They're getting ready. From 10 o'clock in the morning, it's not till 5 o'clock at night. And they're getting ready. And they're looking in the mirror. And they're getting all gibberish. And the next thing you know, it's getting down close to time. And they're getting excited. And they're, boy, they're just getting stirred and everything. Boy, they're trying to get that dress on and get ready. And boy, put that makeup on, make everything just look so-so. And, and get all that curl in that eyelash, you know, boom, boom, boom. And as it gets closer, and so like, what time is it? You got 30 minutes. I walk by the door and I say, we're going to start in 10 minutes. Oh! <laughs> but very seldom have I ever not seen one come out of there on time. Why? Because they were excited about walking down that aisle to meet that groom. Now, the groom, it's a different situation. He shows up at about quarter to five. Still got his blue jeans on. His ripped T-shirt. Cleaning the chicken out between his teeth. Said, don't you think y'all get ready? Quarter to five. Oh, I got ten minutes. Finally get him ready. We walk out there and he's like. And here she comes down that aisle. On time. Do you know what? We're the bride of Christ. The clock's ticking down. I'm going to guarantee you that Jesus Christ is not going to be shaken and he's going to be on time. And we better be ready. And boy, there ought to be an excitement as we see that clock coming down to time for him to come back for us in the air. Why? Because he's our hope. He's our steadfast promise. He's the one coming for you and me. And oh, how our hearts ought to be stirred and the Lord said, I made you these promises. I've told you these things from the beginning. In fact, in Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10, it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. And then he says, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. What are you talking about, preacher? He said, I have, before it ever happened, he said, I've told you what I'm going to do. Declaring the end at the beginning. He said, I'm telling you, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. He said, listen, I, I, I've already told you what's going to happen. He said, you can count on it. 
You can, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can put it in writing. He said, I put it in writing. The Lord declares the end from the beginning. He wants us to know what is going to happen, that his plans are not depending on you and me. So they're not? No. You mean if this don't happen in our lives and that don't happen in our lives, that's not going to slow him down or he's not going to come back? No, he's got a time picked out and he's coming back. Did you know? And I'm trying to stretch this out because 75 minutes is going to be, you know, I got, anyway. In Israel, especially in the Galilee area where, where Christ was in that area, the bridegroom, and I've talked about this before, the groom would go and, and he would find the bride that he wants, the lady he wants to marry. And if she agreed to marry him, she would take a drink out of this cup that he would present to her with, uh, with the grape juice or the wine in it. She would take that drink and saying, I will be your wife. Then he would go back home and he would begin to build upon his father's house. And by the way, if you look at what a mansion really is, it is an addition to the father's house. And he would build upon that house and his father, and he would, he would, and a lot of people say, well, when he gets it done, is he going after the bride? He will not go after the bride until his dad says, go get your bride. He might get the house completed, but his dad thinks, I think he needs to wait a little bit longer. And he won't let him go. He might, he might be prepared and everything, but one day, all of a sudden, the father will say, go get your bride. Do you know that Jesus Christ has went to prepare a place for us? He said, if I prepare a place for you, he said, I will come again that you may be where I am. Hey, listen, I want you to know something. I guarantee you it's already done. And he's just waiting for the father to say, go get your bride. And it's a promise. He's coming for the church. He's coming for the born again Christian. And it's a promise, and that is our hope. It's not, well, I hope he comes. No, our hope is we already know he's coming. And we ought to be living like it. We ought to be acting like it. We ought to be talking like it. And my friend, when we get those songs out and we begin to sing them, we ought to be singing like it. Because he's coming back for his bride. He's faithful to his promises. He, he promised a Savior, and he did. He came. And the promise is to come for the church, and he will. He's promised to come in judgment, and he will. But you see, hope always requires an object. We find over in, in Romans chapter 5 and begin verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, we, by whom also we have access by faith into, his, into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? That's you and I, the, the, the bride the hope that we have with, of salvation through Jesus Christ and his shed blood. It says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience worketh experience, and experience work, uh, experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is that object of our hope. And our hope is in his return. Our hope is in his finished work on Calvary. Just before he gave up the ghost, he said, it is finished. It is finished. Why did he say that? 
Because he paid for your sins and for my sins. He said, it's finished. Now all you got to do is get engaged. Receive him as, as, as your Lord and Savior. Our hope is tied to his promises and that, he, that, he's, found, and he, that he's found faithful to his word. We find over in, in our hymnals, we find a, a, a song that we sing so every once in a while, uh, the solid rock. Uh, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When he, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He is our hope. The hope that we have. He's my hope to build my life upon. He's a hope for the church. He's a hope for eternity. And oh, my friend, listen, he's faithful and we can put our faith and trust in him. And we don't have to be uh, 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 depleting in our, in our hope and, and worrying and sweating out the problems of this day and time. But we can have a hope that is great because it's placed in, uh, placed in Jesus Christ. But when our object of hope is found on self, good works, and so on, It'll surely fail us. And again, our hope will be dashed. Let me say something. Even if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and when the troubles and tribulations come in your life, and you're not putting your hope on Him, but you're putting your hope on something else. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm just talking about hope in situations. It's going to fail you. That hope needs to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what we face. When our object of hope is Jesus Christ, there will be no disappointments. Because the hope we have in Christ, no matter what the, we may experience or face in life, is immutable. Which means it's unchanging. Unchanging. Our hope in Jesus Christ is unchanging. Why do you say it's unchanging? Because he's unchanging. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. He's unchanging. He's immutable. And so if we put our hope in him, then our hope will never change. But I find so many Christians up and down, in and out, because they're not looking at the hope of Jesus Christ in their lives. Know how we need to put our hope in him and, and hold that up. Therefore, since uh, Jesus never changes, our hope should never change. Tribulations can't change that hope. Trials can't change that hope. Uh, uh, persecutions can't change that hope. Because our hope, which is Jesus Christ, is unchangeable. You say, well, preacher, if I go through this problem in my life, it doesn't change hope. In fact, you ought to be, praise the Lord because you got an unchanging hope to help you through that time. 
But what if this happens? Did hope change? No. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what if this goes on? Did Jesus Christ change? No. Then your hope shouldn't change. He's getting ready to come back. And oh, how we ought to be stirred for him. One day our hope and faith will turn to sight. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, he says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. In those doors back there, the glass is, is fixed in such a way that you really can't see through it very well. You can get down, if you get just right, you can see certain things, but if you move your head this way or that, it distorts it and changes what the appearance is. But when I'm standing up here preaching and I happen to look back here, if I'm sitting up here and I, and I, I can tell if somebody walks by, uh, by those doors outside, but I can't tell who they are. And that's a little bit of what that he's talking about. We see through a glass darkly. We know he's there. We can see that image. But it's distorted somewhat because of this world in which we live in. It's distorted by sin. It's distorted by our flesh. And so now we see through a glass darkly and we struggle with the, the problems of life and we forget about our hope. My friend, can I tell you this morning or this evening, hey, listen, your hope is always going to be there. He's, not, he's going to be faithful. He's not going to change. And we can trust him even though we see through a glass darkly. But one of these days, face to face, I've seen people walk by those doors and they kind of, I'll see them get their head down and they'll try to look through a couple of them pieces of glass in that where they can kind of see through what's going on and, and pick out what's going on. And, I, and, I, and I'm trying to figure out who it is maybe or whatever. And next thing I know, then they open the door and when they step to that door, that's what it's talking about, face to face. Face to face. We will see our Redeemer. We will see Jesus Christ face to face. And that's when we can live by sight and not by faith and hope. Because from that point on, it will continually forever be by sight of seeing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John, 1 John 3 and verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Because of that, our hope should not be waning, but it ought to be gaining. Waning is an old word of getting weaker. Gaining is getting stronger. And because of our hope, we ought to get more excited. Our hearts ought to be stirred. In these last days, as things begin to darken <clears throat> and wickedness is abounding, our hope should not be waning, but should be soaring, actually, to new heights. 
and excitement about what God has done and what he's doing in people's hearts and lives. For the first time in church history, I believe for the very first time in church history, we're living in a generation that sees the day of the Lord's return approaching as never before. As never before. I was talking to a man yesterday. I was up in um, Richmond and had taken a track team up to Richmond High School. And this man was from Odessa. And, and I walked back out to the bus. I, it was getting close to... I thought it was getting close time to leave, and so I went back out there, and I stopped by. I waved at him. I walked over to the bus, started talking with him. We began to talk about the problems that sometimes that you face on bus driving or whatever. Then moved from that, we started talking about what all was going on in the world. Began to talk about, it, and I said, "You know, I said it's just a sign that the Lord's getting ready to come back soon." He said, "You think so?" I said. I know so. He said, boy, it's getting bad. I said, that's right. I said, but get, I said, it's getting exciting because we're seeing this come together and this come together and we're seeing so many things take place. And he said, oh, he said, I've seen where they, you know, and about all this, this uh, money and all this sort of stuff, they, they're putting out this deal now. It's called FedNow. They're, they're getting ready to test it. The United States is called FedNow. It's a digital money. It'll be from consumer to consumer, from consumer to business, from business to business, and, and, and lending institution to lending institution. And you will not be carrying money in your pocket. That way they can shut all your money off. That way they can control you. <gasps> nah. My Savior's getting ready to come back. All this stuff that happened during the COVID and everything, just a test run to see how they can control you. And they proved that they can. They proved that they can. The fact is, is that the Lord's getting ready to come back. And boy, I'll tell you what, there ought to be a stirring in our hearts because of our hope. It shouldn't be that we should get worried. And, and if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, you shouldn't get worried. You should get excited about the things of God. And, and the fact that the Lord's come back, and it ought to stir our hearts for him. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Oh, boy. Can you... Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Our churches are full of it. But denying the power thereof from such turn away. It reads like the newspaper. All that. We see every bit of that in our day and time. Every bit of it. Every time you turn on the news, every time you walk down the street, every time, and, and he was asking me, he said, he said, you didn't have any of them, he kind of made a funny face, he said, you have any of them furries in your school? And I said, no. He said, we got one. He said, he gets on the bus and barks at all the kids. He said, we just have to let them do it. A friend that drives in one of the other school districts, he told him, he said, 
They had one that they literally had to put a, that said she was a cat and, and she meowed all the time and they had to put a litter box in the back of the room. Without natural affections. Changing the natural design of God. Saying they're a girl or a boy when they were born something else. We can go on and on, but it reads like the newspaper. Our eyes should be trained upon that eastern sky and looking for that, for that soon return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it ought to stir our hearts. And when we see the problems, we see the difficulties, we see all the, this happening, boy, it ought, it ought to stir us to tell others about Jesus Christ. Listen, and we ought to tell them, the Lord's getting ready to come back soon. Are you ready? Amen. Are you ready? Amen. Boy, we ought to be inviting them to church and we ought to be telling them about Jesus Christ and we ought to be living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, well, preacher, they don't want this. Give it to them anyways. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of, our, of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Yes, there should be an urgency to reach the lost. There ought to be an excitement and a stirring in the heart of the born-again believer to live for the Lord as we never have before. And that means getting our hearts in tune with God. That means getting in the Word of God. And, and that means getting on our knees and praying. And that means getting things right in our lives that we know is wrong that the Holy Spirit is dealing with our hearts about and laying it on the altar and not picking it back up and, and confessing it to God and getting up and walk for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about in these last days. Why, preacher? Because our hope's coming. We're going to see that hope face to face one day. We see our hope through a glass darkly, but one day face to face. Very soon. Very soon. And oh, how it ought to stir our hearts and excite us to live for the Lord and to magnify Him. Today could be that very day. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Amen. Boy, if not, you need to get ready. I'd find a place here at this altar tonight. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. Because the Lord's coming back. Well, preacher, I think I'm okay. You want to depend on that? You want to count eternity on that? You want to die with that? I think. Well, you better make sure. Know that you're saved. Because just as we used to say as a, as a child, we'd play hide and seek. What we always say after we counted, supposed to count to ten, we go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ready or not? Here I come. Do you know that when that trumpet sounds, it may even play a tune like, ready or not, here I come. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you know. Say, well, preacher, I know I'm saved, but are you ready as a Christian to stand before the Lord?
Is your heart where it should be with the Lord? Are you living like you should for the Lord? Make sure you're ready. Because very soon, He's coming again. The Lord is faithful. You know, keep His promise as He always has. Jesus is our hope. Revelation 22, 12 says, And behold, I come quickly. Revelation 22, 20 says, He which testify of these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But I'm going to tell you something. What would this area think if they seen some Christians that believe what they said they believe and live like they said you ought to live and love the Lord like they said that they, that, like they said they love the Lord, who were faithful to the Lord like they know they're supposed to be faithful to the Lord? This world begins to say, you know what? They got something. I need what they got. Are you ready? Our hope is Jesus Christ. In this world, we're going to face tribulations. We're going to face trials. We're going to face difficulties. We got health issues. We got other issues in the world. We got all these things that we face. How do you face them, preacher? With hope. With hope. Jesus Christ. Let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for this day. Well, there may be someone here today that they're not ready. They may not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Lord, I pray that they'd come. And Lord, we take a Bible and show them how to be saved. But Lord, also as Christians, Lord, we need to make sure that we're ready. We need to make sure that we are following that hope that is unchangeable, Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to realize the soon coming of our Lord and Savior. And help us to be stirred to live for you. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?